All right. Hey, y'all. It is grab your wallet time. Uh, we've been having fun doing this show. We love you guys for supporting us. Those of you that don't support us, patreon.com is where you go give us the money to get us to these people or beers to these people so we can interview them. And John's got some t-shirts. So that's on stealthisbeer.com slash merch. Check that out. Either way, thanks for playing along. Can't believe we get away with this every week, Monday at five. about beer over beer by a couple of guys that think about beer way too much. All right. Hey, y'all. It is five o'clock on Monday and we are stealing beer. What's up, John Hall? How are you, Argie Cotton? I'm hanging in there. Just um, butchered your name there. I just like swallowed my tongue as I was talking. So it's any, like, any, oh, any, oh, like I um, <laughs> think I got stung by a bee, and it's the end of my girl. And anybody, anybody that Damn. just heard the tirade you unleashed on me knows that you're two black beers <laughs> in. So nobody's gonna hold your tongue against you. Well, um, but I'm gonna. Try. So anyway, anyway, thieves at home, you have a a bit of a a caucus today. You have me, you got Jesse, you got Kennedy, you got Hall, you got B. Cass, you got Paul, and you got Jeff. And we all took an afternoon to get together, share a couple beers, and talk about our friend Tommy Keegan, who sadly passed away very surprisingly about a week ago. Um, So if you're not from the greater New York region, Tommy opened right around the time Jesse and I were getting married and drinking long before we were ever going to start a brewery. Uh, Augie, first... Augie, can I interrupt? Yeah. You've never been yeah, married. Of I was... <laughs> you and I have never been is... married. Oh, to each other. I'm sorry. <laughs> to our to our wives. But I remember, so so the thieves, I'm Very not going to belabor the point show. because I've told the story. I've, I've told the story about you and me drinking growlers of mother's milk in a pool at 3 a.m. at your wedding a bunch. So there's no reason to rehash that. But but it's it's funny as you think back on this stuff, like the first growler of beer I ever had was the first time I visited you upstate and we went to Keegan's. Right. And I learned about low fills at Keegan's. And this is before we were ever, you know, brewing or talking about a brewery. It's just he's one of the most important guys in my life. And then so this being important, we said we should all talk. And then Paul wrote a kind of succinct, sweet and exactly right. Hey guys, Tommy Pass, here's who Tommy is. So I figure we start off with Paul for those of you that aren't from around here and don't know who Tommy is and was to all of us. And then we'll just drink beers and talk about greatness and what the fuck is going on in beer. So <laughs> no pressure, Paul, but be amazing. Greatness is the right <laughs> word to start off when we're going to talk about the man, the myth, the legend, the craft beer pioneer mm-hmm. that he was, Tommy Keegan. Because look, all of us, on this podcast, whether, you know, John, who writes about beer, those of us that work at actual breweries, run breweries, brew beer breweries, we all owe a huge debt of gratitude to Tommy and what he did and the path that he paved really for all of us, not just the guys like me and Jeff who work at Hudson Valley breweries, but really the whole, you know, Northeast, if not at least the tri-state area. I mean, Tommy was first. And when I put up that sort of Short and very nice of you to say, Augie, sweet, um, in tribute to Tommy. You know, one of the things I really, really wanted to touch on is that, you know, when Tommy opened in, Jeff, when did Tommy open? 2003? 2002? Yeah, he got the keys in May of of 2003, actually. May of 2003. It's, you know, it's almost 20 years ago now, but it might as well be 300 years ago in terms of how much the beer scene has changed and the craft beer scene. And... You know, one of the things I wanted to talk about when I wrote that piece was that it, it really doesn't matter what you do as a brewery, especially if you're a brewery in the Hudson Valley. You know, maybe you focus on hazy IPAs. Maybe you focus on, uh, you know, beer with all kinds of adjuncts. Maybe you have a diverse portfolio. Maybe you distribute. Maybe you only serve beers in your own tap room. Maybe you have a culture where people wait in line for beer. Maybe you don't. 
none of that matters because without Tommy and Keegan Ailes, none of us, none of us are here. Um, so that was the big thing. I think uh, for me as somebody who got introduced to craft beer, probably in the mid 2000s, um, living in New York City, you know, at that time, 2005, 2006, 2007, you know, Mother's Milk was kind of everywhere. So I think for a lot of beer drinkers, craft beer drinkers, Mother's Milk was kind of their gateway drug into craft. And I know, Augie, you you just talked a little bit about how you and Jesse, um, you know, some of your early craft beer experience was drinking Mother's Milk out of Growlers. And for me, at your yeah. And for me, it was drinking Mother's Milk at a local bar down on Wall Street when that's where I work. Um, and I think there's probably thousands and thousands of people in New York and beyond who have similar stories to that. Well, so I will double down on the truth of what you've just said and reference back to the letter um, Mm -hmm. as I remind Jesse of something. But so what I loved what you what you explained at the beginning is and it's very hard to appreciate if you weren't around, but in we opened at eleven. And one of the honors in our first year or two was Tommy came down to visit us. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, like I said, I'd met Tommy in the brewery, but not as a brewer. And I was just some guy visiting Jesse and his wife upstate. And that's where we would go to buy beers before we'd lock ourselves in the house to get drunk. Um, but, you know, when Carton was figuring out who Carton was going to be and Jesse and I were doing all our creations and stuff. There was, there's, you know, and there's a different Genesis story. There's a different why for every beer, but the our milk stout was because our name's Carton, and we had to make a milk stout, in my opinion, because you know, let's face it, that was high creativity in 2010. Um, but one of the things we did, Jesse, will talk about the torture of the, you know, the the challenge I laid before him, but I didn't want to do a sweet one. I wanted to do treat it like coffee with milk in it instead of beer with sugar in it. And one of the things we leaned into heavy was there was no reason for us to make a sweet milk stout in New Jersey because one of our local breweries, Keegan, (laughs) made it so well and got it so far around. Like this before, like I've never had a left-hand nitro milk stout, which had its moment because we had our local sweet milk stout it was mother's milk we just fucking drank that beer and that's who tommy was back then right so jesse i was wanted to lean into you at this point and talk about that first visit when he was talking about using long before there was a bolero snort he was talking about adding cereal to the milk in the milk stout because he thought it would be a fun thing to do and this is you know 2011 right long before cereal beer became a zeitgeist thing in 17 so jesse what where are you at on that yeah, I mean, I I have I share definitely uh, Paul the the memory of that I I agree that uh, for me, uh, mother's milk was definitely an entry entry drug gateway drug for craft beer. I have I mean, I like Augie mentioned, and it sounds like he's mentioned in the past, getting growlers and mother's milk and Hurricane Kitty on the way up to uh, my mother-in-law's place in, in the Catskills off 28, we would always stop in Kingston and first be like one growler of each. And then it would be like, all right, well, let's get two of mother's milk and one kitty. And then it'd be like, well, let's just get a case of growlers. Why not? You know, like, um, and, and, you know, we were making, I was making, you know, mother's milk shakes and mother's milk floats and, cooking you know braising ribs and mother's yeah. milk we made mother's and... milk stew one night right yes like stew. we made a and french then, you know... stew and swapped in mother's milk for red wine yeah and uh and so it was for me it definitely started out as a thing that like you know i sort of fell in love with the hudson valley and the catskill region and 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 going to keegan was a big part of that because i grew up in colorado so i you know going to breweries was a thing that i did and but that up till that point it was like I hadn't found a brewery in New York or especially not in New York City or or really in the area. And then I very distinctly remember the first time my buddy Amit, who's a good drinking buddy of mine, and we, we found out that there was a place in New, in Brooklyn that had Mother's Milk on tap. And we and it was Fourth Avenue pub. And uh, 
we walked, I don't know how many, two miles to get there and just sat there and drank mother's milk <laughs> because we were like, wow, you can get this in New York City too. Um, and this is, you know, and then I think the next thing I did was discover beer craft um, and the rest is kind of history. But yeah, that mother's milk and, and Keegan, the experience at Keegan in particular were both definitely critical in me um, discovering craft beer i'd say you know it would be t- a tie maybe between uh, keegan and six point you know wow now paul can you because i don't want to do a disservice because the first time i walked in there as you've heard like i wasn't brewing yet i didn't know what breweries were you know what i mean i knew kind of anheuser-busch when i'd fly in and out of newark <laughs> but describe that space because if you think about everything we're talking about, like Tommy was the regional dominant stout, at least talk about that space. He did that all from, cause you know, that was, you talk about, you know, everybody likes to tell their story of bootstrapping, but fuck man, Tommy was, you know, in the weirdest little spot in the world, making tons of beer from the smallest machines. Oh, absolutely. And if I, if I may not to hijack you as the excellent host, I think maybe Jeff, if you chime in on that as the guy who worked for Tommy for so long about what it was like, you know, being in that building, because I can only really speak to uh, the great times that I had in, in the pub and hanging out with Tommy, uh, who was, and I'm sure you guys all have the same experience. I mean, Tommy was all hospitality. He was always at his bar and he, all, he would talk to anybody. And I want to yeah. echo Augie something that you said that I think is kind of a little geeky, but I had the same exact experience. Like I remember distinctly when Tommy Keegan knew my first name and I was like, holy shit, Tommy Keegan knows my first name. That's awesome. And I think about it, you know, and honestly, Augie and Jesse, you guys being proprietors of, of extraordinarily popular breweries, you know, you probably have that and you don't even probably realize it, but you guys probably have that same effect on craft beer fans or brand new breweries too. It's like, oh my God, Augie knows my name. Jesse knows my name. And, and for me, that was Tommy way back in 2012 when we opened Newburgh. Um, so, but to speak about the actual brewery, I mean, Jeff, what, what was it like to work in there? Uh, well, it was, a, it was the defunct Woodstock Brewing Company, like when we got there. So it was like, what I was actually there the first day Tommy got the keys. So we walked in and it like, still smelt like an old brewery, even though they hadn't brewed there. And I think like six years, seven years. And it was just full of half full kegs, bottles, like the bottling line, the filler heads were taken apart in buckets. <laughs> uh, it was just like, <laughs> they, it was just like they went bankrupt and fucking left. Oh. What what's that col- what's that colony Roanoke? Yeah, all the inhabitants just gone. <laughs> I remember one day just li- just literally dumping kegs like seven year old kegs of beer Ugh. for a whole day. Oh um, boy, yikes! <laughs> the actually the original equipment still in there. The two forty barrel forty barrel fermenters we started with, and the twenty barrel DME brew houses still kicking man i mean it's a pretty simple setup so there's really not much to break on it but uh yeah it was, yeah i was I, i'll never forget because i was 18 when i started so it was a pretty small a relatively small brewery so compared to you know crepers of today but i remember my jaw just like hitting the floor and being like this is the coolest thing i've ever seen um yeah and and no doubt. He, I don't think he ever intended Mother's Milk to be what it was, but I think it filled a niche that, you know, really needed to be filled. And uh, no doubt. So that's actually fun. So let's talk about, so one of the other things, so to lean into what's been said and, and take it to the next level, um, let's talk about like the variations. Like I said, so when Jesse and I first opened, he was down in Jersey to talk to a distributor or something, and he came by the brewery. And I just remember standing at the bar and talking to him for as long as he'd let me talk and just filling him up with beer. But at the time I remember he was like, I'm thinking about doing cereal milks as a thing. And like I said, this is way before anybody was talking about that. And I had just read the um, Mama Fuko milk bar um, cookbook. And I was like, well, get this book. He makes cookies out of it. I'm sure there's a way you can turn that in your beer. 
But one of the things, so the other time I always saw Tommy was doing his job at tap. <laughs> and I remember variations on mother's milk, even though I think, you know, if you, if you slice at the time, you think about Tommy as the, the father of three important beers that kind of did that flagship thing back in the days of flagship beers. But Tommy always had ideas and was all, like, there. what's the highest ABV version of mother's milk you ever made? And just talk about, you know what I mean? Talk about some of his fuckery because he wasn't beyond that. And somehow we never talk about it, but he loved to fuck around. Yeah, uh, I mean, in beer and in life, that dude loved to fuck around. Uh, <laughs> actually, probably my best Tommy stories have nothing to do with brewing beer. But um, I guess like a really good one is, you know, we used to dry hop Hurricane Kitty. For a while, we dry hopped with Olcone, um, probably inspired by Sierra. But it was like a real pain in the ass. We didn't use bags. We just kind of dumped mini bales into the horizontal like converted dairy <laughs> tank so at the end of that like we'd lose prime on the filter pump because this is back when you used to filter ipas you would lose prime on the filter <laughs> pump Weird. because there's there were too many hops like the, i don't the, believe in this time <laughs> the whole the whole cone would clog the the strainer going into the filter and we'd be like all right i guess we're done but there'd still be like I don't know, solid five barrels of beer in there. So this one, he was like, what are we doing? <laughs> We're wasting all this beer. We put it into this big, we just kind of gravity filled this big open, uh, just like an open single wall vessel. I think it was a five hectoliter vessel. And threw a couple buckets of honey in it, re-fermented it and then aged it in uh, oak barrels, and that became Super Kitty. And oh. then so there, wasn't, kinda... there wasn't a recipe or anything? It was just sort of looking around, seeing what you had, and going for it? It was basically like we have all this extra Hurricane Kitty. You know, what can we do with it? Let's add some more sugar. Uh, you know, we found like a local <laughs> apiarist who always came to the tasting room, got like a couple five-gallon buckets of honey, Mixed it up, added a couple more hops, bottle conditioned it, and aged um, on or aged on oak and bottle conditioned it, and that was the first batch of Super Kitty. That's awesome. And that's and what 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 was generation brewing is that? What, like when what was that first? What like what years was that first done? Because at some point yeah. that becomes trend, and if you don't know when Tommy would have been doing it, you could see it as part of trend. You know what I mean? That was probably two thousand and five or six. Yeah. Was Maybe that even the, earlier. Was that, was that batch of Super Kitty? Was that the first batch? So was that the batch that, that you guys put out and waxed the top and put it in like flip top bombers? Yeah, yeah, that was the first batch. I had that batch. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like a... We had since moved to like the more like a kind of wine bottle style, but the first ones were like the bottles you ordered from... I don't know if you guys remember Crosby Baker before BMG yep. bought them out. Yeah, yep. we just ordered like a couple cases from Crosby Baker. But it's like bottle. what we first it, it was basically like what we first put shipwreck in. Yep, yep, yep. I it might have been where I got the idea. Yeah, probably. Um <laughs> but uh but so Jesse, actually let's talk about you because because generationally Newberg and Carton are nine months apart. When Interboro came around, where you know, how was that going around? Like wh where was Tommy at that point? Because by that point there were, you know, well, by the time of, we opened. By Instead of two opened, in the region, there were a hundred. <laughs> well, by the time we opened, he was um, and he was brewing large batches at at, at two roads, right? I mean, okay, right? Yeah, I mean, right he, I mean, he did. And then you know, I left in 2014 and headed out to Colorado. I think it was maybe six months after that, or within that year, he stopped brewing at two roads. Oh, okay, all right. <clears throat> Which I don't, I forget when you opened up, but I think it was after I moved to Colorado, Jesse. I think that's right. I think you were in Colorado because uh, we opened up. We're about to turn five, so we opened at sixteen. So yeah, you were back. Yeah. Were you back already in sixteen or no? I came back okay. in nineteen two years okay. ago. All right, so I'm going to pause this for a second, gentlemen. Um, what brings us together on Steal This Beer, besides the memory of a great man, is a candid conversation of beer and what it's doing, not what we thought it would be. Um, Kennedy managed to get beer to me, Hall, and Jesse. 
That's right. Uh, Paul and Jeff don't have it. Um, but the good news is I've tasted both and neither one seems like it's going to distract us very much. So let's <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Which one am I starting with? Three. You should have a beer that says three on it because Justin can't reset a pen once he's written on one and two. <laughs> um, it is for my so own purposes. Beer three. I will tell you you're tasting the one that tastes like a goat's. Um, and almost like a textbook goes, but not not a European as an American goes. It's a little. It's I'd tart. say it's yeah, three points pH below where the Europeans would do it, but you know, and that on that American spectrum of ooh, that's good acidity, and it is mm-hmm. definitely bright as brightly acidic. Nice salt, lime notes. I don't even know if there's actually lime in it, um, but limey notes, and it's. Like that key, I don't know. Lime, I, like I, that sweet sort of little pungent, little fermented kind of lime thing. Yeah, it's, there's some ghosts I would want ten of on a hot day, and this goes falls into that. I, if I had two, it would be with four other beers in between. As like, a, hey, let's freshen up and reinvigorate the palate with something, you know, really acidic, really bright, really carbonated. Like it's hyper carbonated. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's fun. Yeah. So if, if we were making a cooler for a day of drinking with these five accomplices. Yeah. This I, could, would... I could see throwing two six packs in there to be like, ah, drink one of those. You'll be, you'll be all new again. Don't worry. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. I what mean, about this you? Is, yeah. This is just a, it's a standard. I'll, I'll agree with you. That it's more Americanized than what I think of European wise, but this is, hopefully low abv there's that lime thing there there's like a little bit of like some sort of flowery herbal thing that i'm sort of getting the more i dive into it a little bit more but this is really one of those beers where again if there's a six pack of it in the cooler by the time i got to the third one i'd probably be paying more attention to it um yeah but this is just a you grab it in a pinch and it does exactly what it's supposed to do so thirsty quenching um yeah i can't no more uh adjectives will flow from me other than those but it's super drinkable and it's got the only thing i, I mean it's got a little bit of a of sulfur nose so i think maybe uh probably like a proper kettle sour uh All right. lactic i'll lactic, go back lactic again fermentation yep you guys are right. uh, we all agree oh, yeah this margarita is, this <laughs> is from westbrook westbrook brewing um this is their regular goza and it's oh, one of my yeah. favorite beers that I haven't had in a long time, so I wanted to revisit it. Um, so, but there's no actual lime in it, right? There's that's not lime it, in this. That's one. just how acidic it is. That's right. No, but it does. If I recall, it does don't they do coriander in it? No, there is coriander and salt. Yes, it's cor- yeah, right. coriander. Yeah, yeah. But, and there is a lime version of this, but this is just right. the regular. So this version. isn't the lime. So, yeah. All right. Way to go, uh-huh. Jesse. That's it. All right. Yep. All right, Jesse. Back to you and 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 fond memories of. Hurricane Kitty, Old Capital, and, and uh, all the different mothers' milks around town. Uh, so when you, so you, when COVID happened, you disappeared up there to uh, to hide at, hide the family out while you were down here working. How many That's times true. did how many times were you happening through there? Was it still your local favorite? I was not anywhere for like the first. <laughs> <laughs> six, six months honestly um and then i you know i i don't know whether he was open during uh during covid i did not ma- i did not make it up there at all i was back boys what can you tell so us much. about that uh i think he was open for to go beer and doing some delivery for a little bit yeah he was definitely doing delivery and then he was open i think i actually he opened the pub with limited capacity once that was allowed again and then this go round, like I said in that little tribute I wrote to him, uh, the last time I touched base with Tommy was two weeks ago because he was telling me all about the tent that he had put up in the parking lot at Keegan and how excited he was for it and how he thought uh, it was really going to bring the energy and the life back to the pub environment of Keegan Ales. Awesome. Well, that said, do we know what's what the intention is? Has anybody talked to anybody about that? Like, Will we still be able to go up there at some point? Yeah, I talked to his father yesterday, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think they plan on operating 
continuing to operate. His girlfriend, Lisa, was kind of managing the bar already. So she's um, kind of picked up the slack a little bit there. And they have two brewers that seem pretty confident. Um, I'm headed up back up there this week uh, okay. for the services and stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're fully intended on carrying that legacy on. Good. I th- I, that, that, that makes me very happy. Um, right on. So what else is going on, boys? It's, you know, I don't want to make all the thieves listen to us eulogize a great man for more than half an hour. Let's let's now go on to the exuberance of moving forward. What's exciting in beer? What's what's the new idea? What's the thing we're going to carry forward from that? And that's actually one of the things I want to mention. Like, it's funny, and I'll, I'll call this our transition to the future, but one of the lessons I think I should have learned from Tommy since he definitely made it available to me was um that that visiting and that new right so it's funny it's i actually bitch about it on the show quite a bit but when i opened and jesse and i were coming up with beers and we were going to make a milk stout like i said we very consciously kept it from being anything like tommy's because tommy was a neighbor a leader and his was good enough we didn't need another one of those and recently with eight thousand breweries and you know 125 in new jersey I feel my rhymes are getting bitten a little more than they should. And Uh when you think about that, you think about, was it my mistake by not making the time to go meet and be as gracious and inviting and as incorporative as Tommy was to guys like us? Yes. 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Before you get all angry and bitter, part of the kinship I had for Tommy and what he did was because Tommy really did make that time to come and say, hey, welcome to the group, and here's what we do, and let me know if I can help, and da-da-da-da-da. Oh, it's so cool you drank beer at Jesse. You know what I mean? And as busy as I've been and overwhelmed as I've been, I haven't been good about that. Now it's a decade later, and I probably should be. And that's you know that's one of the lessons I'm trying to drag from all this. And so that's kind of my lead into where are we going next? What do we need to be doing? What's going on? You guys... Each of us are at, you know, pretty well-established regional breweries at this point. Where, what are we? What should we be stealing from Tommy's legacy to bring goodness into the world? Well, uh, and that's a great point, Augie, because um, I think about that a lot. Because, like you mentioned a little bit earlier on in the pod, that you know we opened Carton and Newburgh nine months apart, so we are definitely direct peers in a lot of ways and at that time so 2011 2012 and probably for a few years after that when there weren't 300 breweries opening every single week within 500 square feet of each other uh there was like a real conscious effort that i think everyone was making at that time to reach out to their new neighbors i know for sure we did it um you know we didn't have to do it with tommy because tommy reached out to us which was amazing but because we were the new kid on the block we felt an obligation to just make her reach out to the existing players in the market and introduce ourselves and say, Hey, this is who we are. And we think there's plenty of room for all of us on the local bars draft list and eventually on the grocery store shelf. So we just want to be friends and this is who we are. And I think in 2021, unfortunately, a lot of that has gone away. And as all of us are shepherds of our own businesses and trying to keep our businesses going. Um, the landscape is just so hyper-competitive now that we're all singularly focused in a lot of ways on our own breweries. And we have the friends that we made maybe in those years, but maybe not quite as many friends in more recent times. So to take your question about what do we do from Tommy's legacy, I think you know fostering some of that friendly environment that we all opened into would be a good thing at this point um especially coming out of covid and just the last year being such shit and (laughs) all of us being really in the weeds um those of us that survive and are still here um probably should do a better job of talking to each other and and making a reach out to the new guys when they open yeah i i definitely do that so one of the things i like to point out to people that you know, that I'm trying to inspire and deal with. And I think it's one of the things that may be biting everybody in the ass as they feel, you know, 
crowded rather than neighborly, which is one of those things Tommy is trying to foster is Carton. Like if we kill it next year, the most I really care about getting done is about 10,000 barrels, right? So that's 20,000 kegs. Mm -hmm. And for me to sell 20,000 kegs to 8,000 liquor licenses in a state with 8 million people in, means I need to get four kegs sold to every bar or eight kegs sold to the half of them that care about craft and what we're doing. Meaning good bar goes through eight kegs in three months, meaning there's nine months a year for everybody else. So if we're focused on what other craft breweries are doing, rather than focus on what the bars are doing and how we get them to engage with people that care about the stuff we do, we're just wasting effort, right? We're just spinning our wheels, paying attention to anything on that. And, and I, you know, I don't know where I got that from, but it's obviously that phase of, you know, at its best craft was almost 12% of beer. We don't need to ever look at each other. You know, we need to we need to help each other get better and really focus on the things that actually matter. Those big corporations that do want to hurt us, not, you know, each other in a 500 mile circle trying to get a little shelf at a Wegmans. Right. Focus on the guy and how to round out his cooler with you and your neighbors so that you guys dominate where Bud's trying to pick you off. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that I think the other thing that we're coming out of COVID, especially being in, in the city, I don't know what what y'all are dealing with in Jersey or, or in the Hudson Valley, but well, we've seen so many of our customers just close their doors. Um, and, you know, and so focusing on the relationships we have and making sure that the the the, the, the accounts that are volume accounts are aware of what what we're doing and the situations that everybody's in and the commonality between our businesses and the people who buy our our, our products you know what i mean who buy our packaged beer whether it's cans or kegs and that we're all sort of you know with that that that's sort of the community of of beer trying to serve the the, the end customers the people who mm -hmm. just want to put it in a glass or, or crack a can at home um, that's what we, I, you know, I think that that building that community and obviously working with other brewers to make sure that we're lifting, help lifting each other up and, and finding the opportunities and, uh, and sharing the opportunities. Right. You know, like, you know, you only need one line at any one, at any account. Right. So then what you're doing is hoping that there, that, that, that buyer is going to put another craft, another local, you know, if you get the IPA line, hopefully they put somebody else on for the lager or the, you know, or the sour or whatever, and, and making sure that they know that, you know, your, your fellow brewers that are your neighbors make really high quality product and not right, not driving people down in any way. You know what I mean? And, and, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, I'm, we make good beer. That doesn't mean anybody else makes bad beer. We make, we make good beer and because of other people making good beer, right? Like the, 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 the way, the reason we are able to make good beer is because we share with the, our community shares information and knowledge and process and because it's so collaborative. And so just trying to help bring other people up and, and help spread the opportunities around. But Jesse, that point you made, it's a great one. This idea of, you know, lots of draft lines. And if someone gets the IPA line, then, you know, maybe we can grab the Brown ale line. I guess part of the, problem now is that everyone wants to be the ipa line because that's the volume line so yeah. you know like right now i'm sipping a can of our brown ale which i love and sometimes You're speaking to the right new... show How oh i know you, I, I did it purposely uh, to be <laughs> <on the show. laughs> um and also as a nod to mother's milk too of course but um the the problem is is you know like I, I'm just thinking off the top of my head of a new place that opened in the Hudson Valley and um, they want to be diverse and they want to be local. And they decided that we're going to be the dark beer. So they brought in brown ale. And for us, it's like, we're excited, of course, because they want to have our beer, but it's like, damn it. I wish they'd brought in mega boss because the volume they're going to do of our brown ale is going to be a fraction of the volume they, or they're going to do of whatever local IPA they brought in. So, you know, I don't know if it's a consumer thing or a brewery thing, but we, as we live in this IPA world, as we still do for, and we've been doing for years, um, we're all still just trying to be the IPA line because that's, that's the business line. That's the line where you're going to do volume and, and do real money. 
Um, and I don't know what changes that. I don't know if, you know, Augie or Jesse or, or Jeff or John or anybody sees that changing anytime soon, because personally I don't. I've, I've really, sorry, just to jump right back in, but during COVID where we saw with a lot of our accounts that had the good outdoor spaces where it wasn't so much about the craft beer geeks and it was more about just human beings who wanted to get out and be as close to other human beings as they could and, and drink a beer. We, we really, we really focused on lager lines and we really focused on, on, on being that because you, sir. our cost of goods is low enough that we were able to reach out to our accounts and say, we'll do a discount for you because we know mm -hmm. your cost of doing business hasn't gone down, but your capacity has been cut, you know, in, mm -hmm. in, in half or worse. So, you know, let, let's be that lager line for people, for the people who, you know, yeah, half the people are going to walk in and be like, they want the IPA, they want the flavor of the week. But there's a, other, there's a whole bunch of other people out there who just want a cold beer that tastes like beer. And, and, you know, and I'm not saying I'm not down. I'm, you know, I, we do our, we work our asses off to make our lagers taste, be the highest quality that they can. But to a lot of people, when you, when it comes down to it, if it's a lager, it's, it's a beer. And so we were, you know, we made an effort to sort of, where we knew we couldn't get the IPA line because yeah, you're right. It's, it's hard to get the IPA line a lot of the time. You know what I mean? Where, where we do have the IPA line, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're very thankful and we do, we're obviously working our best to make our super drinkable IPAs as drinkable as we possibly can. <laughs> but I think, I think there is a, you know, and I think the sours is, is another, you know, another place where you can really help your customers out by making something that's affordable and super drinkable so that people who might only have one or two beers have three or four, you know? Well, and, and I will, I will answer that question slightly differently, but in no way, I don't mean to change what Jesse just said, because I agree with all that. And, and, and let's face it, there, there's like all those old adages of you start with Pilsners and you end with Pilsners. And for those of us that are now five to 10 years in, a lot of our customers are coming back around at Pilsners. So I think what Jesse's saying is very valid. But for me, it's it's really, I don't know. So I, I heard a story once, somebody talking about marketing was like, you know, nobody buys a quarter inch drill bit. Nobody gives a fuck about a quarter inch drill bit. What they need is a quarter inch hole. And then on top of that, nobody really wants a quarter inch hole. What they want is a shelf. And they want a shelf for different reasons. One person wants a shelf to impress their spouse with how handy they are. One person wants a shelf to organize their life. And one person wants a shelf to decorate their bedroom. And one wants one so things stop falling, right? So they're talking about that the job of the marketer or the you know the the publicist, whatever it is, is not to talk about why you should buy the quarter inch drill bit. It's to know who the person buying your quarter inch drill bit is in those five scenarios and get to that space with them, right? You were supposed to be making them happy. And nobody wants a quarter inch drill bit. Everybody wants a shelf for some reason, right? So what I, to answer your same question is, if I think about all the dinners I've ever had, some of the most exciting things I like to drink and eat aren't necessarily the things that are as easy to love as, say, a fun 10% Citra Hazy IPA. Like, I don't want to in any way talk down about them. They're that much fucking fun that when you're looking for fun, that's the right answer. But I think about weird waiters along the way who talked me into trying chartreuse with the basil heavy dish and I tried it. And although I still would never order chartreuse, I have this love in my heart for chartreuse. And at some points I'm like, the only thing we can drink is chartreuse. And then there's the chef who connected me to the five ingredient margarita, John Hall. And uh -huh. any, anybody who's been out with me drinking margaritas knows how ridiculous I'm about how you must make my margarita. Anybody who's connection. done it before is actively trying to avoid to do it again. Unless You'd they're... be surprised how many texts a day I say, like, I get that say, how do I make your margarita? Anyway. <laughs> right. Because all you're doing is plying people with them to the point where they can't remember their own These are people name. very far away from me. Yeah. Anyway, but what I'm saying is, so, so attention to building that and what I tell our sales guys is if, if we want to sell brown ale, 
we need to find the guy in his shop who loves brown ale, find out what he loves about it, get on that dialogue with him, learn what we can learn, encourage that love, round out that love, and get him talking to his customers, be they bar patrons or store patrons. And if he connects with a person that walked in for an IPA, then you've probably got another brown ale drinker in the world. And then anybody that listens to this show is going to know how great Newberg is. But you know what I mean? Like, so, so those are the layers and that's the thing. And it's, you've got to take for granted that some stuff is easy to love and there's nothing wrong with loving stuff that's easy to love. But there is definitely reason to love everything else in the world. And as long as you're not educating, but conversing on that level with people that, you know, you don't try to convince a guy that's only ever had Trillium, other half and whatever, that he needs Newberg Brown. But you find the guy who's like, oh, I freaking love Jesse's inner borough and I love other halves, whatever. You'd be like, hey, if you try to brown ale, here's where it fits your life. And if you get him, then we've won. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's my big picture approach to how do we solve this? And it's one customer in your own brewery or one bartender your salesman's in front of or what, you know what I mean? Even your distributor guys, right? Convincing them to learn something about styles helps everybody. Make sense? Hey, in between all thought? of your, your various yeah. uh, rantings, have we talked about beer two yet? Oh, shut up. Let the guys I mean, answer I, I if took they a nap, see it. So and maybe like, they I, could I'm, add something, but maybe they could add something to the conversation. Would yeah, you give them a chance to? I was just done talking when you jumped on everybody. No, that point you make is fantastic. That um, end consumer education, whether it happens from the bartender, the waiter, the waitress, or the guy working in the grocery store or the beer store. And I think, you know, one thing we've definitely learned in the last year plus with COVID um, is how much of that we lost in our own tap rooms. Because I think all of us can say that our tap rooms are important parts of our business, but they're also probably the greatest marketing tool and education tool that we have. Um, And having lost that, was definitely a challenge because we didn't get to have that same personal interaction with the end customer um, who maybe had never visited us before and had never had our beer before, but they came in and you got a chance to have a conversation and introduce them to different things. Or they had, you know, boat beer at their local bar and now they're visiting you and you get to, you boat beer brought them in the door and now you get to introduce them to all kinds of other great carton beers. So, uh, um, oh my you know, God! <laughs> don't forget, hose it hey, off hey, just a Hall, little bit. Hall, Hall, Je- be careful yeah. here. Jesse's on the line, and Jesse, yeah. <laughs> when you shit on both beer, you shit on both me and Jesse. I'm not shitting on both beer. I'm shitting on the unnecessary praise that's coming your way on a show that is usually filled with just you singing your unnecessary <laughs> phrase. That's all. Well, <laughs> the same, I'll extend the same for, you know, Jesse with Premier or, you know, Jeff with, with Wrench, of course, too. Um, mm, but, you know, wrench. so I think uh, all of us hopefully getting back to some semblance of normalcy in the coming, you know, months uh, and having our tap rooms back is going to um, reopen those educational channels to our customers. And I think, at least for me, I'm really reinvigorated to do it because it's been so long um and there is like you said a place for all these different styles and the best way to educate the beer drinker is when they come into our tap rooms yeah yeah for sure yeah 100 all right so beer two john hall i guess you've got something to say go ahead i you know i i like it it feels uh <laughs> thank god we stopped the conversation for that Oh, fuck off. Um, <laughs> no, there's a, is there a little smoky twinge to this? Definitely. I don't else? have it. I Definitely. don't have it. My first sip, I was like, oh, I mean, it's smoky. It could just be a stout, but there's, a, there's a lot of burnt malt in there. Yeah. It's there's, there's malt. some sort of, you know, it, it's, it's ham water adjacent um, is, is the way that I'm sort of thinking about this, but this is one of those uh, as I get the smoker going in the backyard, uh, this is sort of that that beer that starts to get me into the mood for an eventual meal. I feel like this is the beer that puts you to bed. It's it, it, this one. It's, it, it's hard to tell whether it's super strong or not. You know, I feel like it's super strong. I've got some really <laughs> pretty red fruit. I've got some really pretty. So here's the thing: it tastes like a doppelbach, but an ale to me. 
right? Okay. It's got a little bit of red fruit, a lot of roast. I'm not getting your smokiness, but again, I'm on all coffee all morning. So maybe I'm killing myself for that. But I've got just a nice bit of roastiness. I've got some red fruit kind of phenolics to it. And I've had four sips. And each time my cheeks have gone one shade redder. I feel like this huh. is somebody's big ass porter or Bach or just something that's like, oh, yeah, we'll have one of those. That's great. And then I do I mean, stand up. For, stand there's up a little bit of a chair thing and thing fall on, on my knees. You know what I mean? But this is one of those where I'd be like, thanks, John. I get up to go to the bathroom and fall back into my seat and be like, what have you done? Hey, and better to fall back than to fall forward. All right. That's, that's just I agree with that. Good... I'll show you the stitches I had to get my ass last Christmas from I, that was back. Was that my fault? Probably. I didn't I didn't force I you to drink those beers. I don't, that I dropped ex- off I don't exactly I don't exactly remember that night. <laughs> but I think all they I were got, your beers. <laughs> all I did was I got a text from you at like 11 p.m. being like, fuck, these are good and strong. And then two days the later, next hour is in the emergency you, room. Yeah. The, the, the <laughs> next text was two days later with a broken coffee table and a picture of your uh, of your ass. And I was of like, my ass. Is- yeah. Fuck you, John Hall and your sweet, sweet, strong beers. But this I feel is- like this is one of those beers. <laughs> I'll be like, John gave me this beer. I'm going to drink this beer. This will be a fun beer. What the fuck yeah. happened to Tuesday? Yeah. Your honor. <laughs> yeah. If I may. <laughs> Um, no, there's a little bit of a sweet, uh, a smokiness here, but there's a little bit of the more I keep going to this, there's a little bit of a, a, a sweet cloyingness on the back end of it. That is just a little, I get what you're saying with your cheeks, but for me, it's sort of this concentration of pretty severe sweetness. So I think, it, I think it's I like a stout. It Do you, you think, think it's, it's a stout, stout, Jess? Yeah, I think it's a stout. So it's definitely a Pilsner from Maine then. Mm. Yes, that's that's yes. the way this show goes. Main pilsners come across as milk. I open stuff. it now. Can I? Can yeah, I, I open, open. I open mine, so I I can no longer add any advice. So this is a Baltic porter from. <laughs> oh wow! From Thin Perfect. Man and Von Trapp Brewing. It's a collaboration, uh, and wow. it's it's eight percent. Oh, oh fuck you! Yeah, <laughs> fucking Kenny. I love Justin. And maybe it's the 8% Baltic Porter talking, but I think <laughs> Justin doesn't get enough credit for being Justin. So it's called Lager Kohler. Lager Kohler. So is it a lager? Because it smells like an ale. It's definitely a lager. If it's a Baltic Porter, it's definitely it's a lager. Yeah. Felt yeah. like an ale to that's me. Why you cool. get those, like, that's why you get those. Uh, some of that, that sulfur nose. All I can smell today. Mm. Yeah, you love that sulfur today. Um, yeah, but it also now makes sense why right as I finished the long speech where the boys should have talked, fucking Hall came off the top rope with an 8% Porter elbow <laughs> drop in the middle of the conversation. You like it? Then, well, see, the thing is, I was talking instead of sipping. If I was sipping, I'm gonna I'd go, probably done I'm, the same to you. I'm going to go, yeah, that I think the there is, like a, a, I, I'm going to stand by that smoky note that's in there, but I think you're right, Jesse, and just that burnt malt note uh that's coming through yeah i don't think there's any smoke malt in this yeah but it's just it's just burnt enough where it's the residual all right so let's tie it all up with um, justin has a letter just well no hold on but i've just made a big speech that the Tommy was a great guy that made us all feel welcome and the thing i'm going to take out of this is that i should be a better guy and make more people feel welcome you guys can tie up however you want, but this is just, you know, cheers to you, Tommy, the big dumbass Baltic porter that's making me think I'm going to bed in an hour. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> really quick. We, we had, miss you, man. I had a, uh, uh, a book event in Kingston not too long ago, maybe before the pandemic, and we stopped by and I was with April and Hannah. And Tommy was just walking through the the tap room, and it, and it's so true. Like if if Tommy knew your name, that was sort of a cool thing. And he's walking through the tap room, and he saw me, and he stopped, and he's like, "John, what are you doing here?" And it's like, "Oh, I'm doing a thing across town," and and then he's like, "Never mind. Who is this adorable baby?" And he picked <laughs> Hannah up and gave her the, this big hug, and she was both terrified and amused because he was such a sweetheart. And it was thirty seconds, but it could have been thirty hours. Just. Cause he was so generous with his time. And my, I remember whenever I would talk with him, it was always, he was paying attention to the conversation that he was having with you. It wasn't, was he looking around the room to see who else he could be talking to? And that was always 
I, I thought such a generous way of being with his time and something that we should all emulate and try to emulate. And so, um, you know, going up there the next time is just not going to be the same, but I'm uh, grateful that my daughter got to meet a great man of beer and just a great man in general. Well said, sir. Anybody else want, got anything to add before we read a letter? Uh, yeah, I'll say something about Tommy and uh, as pertains to, you know, being super inclusive to other industry peers and whatnot. Um, you know, I started there when I was 18, so it was barely, a, a, I was a man child, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I remember when a small brewery opened, it was a brew pub, it was an extension of Hyde Park Brewery opened in Kingston. And I was like, oh man, you know, like screw those guys, they're gonna take our business, blah, blah, blah. You know, just night just a naive child, basically. And he was like, no, no, no. Like he made a, a very strong point to be like, no, 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 they're they're our brothers, man. Like other breweries in our area help us. We build each other up. They're you know, they're not our competition, our competitions are the big guys, and you should be happy that they're here. And uh, that's kind of always stuck with me. Um being in craft beer and uh you know i think that's just kind of true to who he was just uh not even in beer just as a person just uh always welcoming and what, what a gentleman yeah. yeah okay kennedy yes completely changed the topic with a letter about what jesse beer is better than boat there right, we got a letter for jesse what Oh yeah, isn't it weird? So, so hold on, I'm, we I'm didn't even know you were on the show, but it. the listeners. But did. so, so the listeners knew you were coming on, and somehow Justin fucked it up. This letter he's about to read to you, he read on the last episode, and Hall goes, "You know, Jesse's on the next episode, right?" So read so, the letter, and then we'll read on, the next letter for, for 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 timeline purposes. Just because that we're now confusing the thieves, um, this is going to air before the next that episode. One. That's right. Oh. So. Well, we all know I don't understand. Yeah. That. So, oh my so, God. so when you get in the DeLorean. Yeah. <laughs> all right. But so, Justin, read the letter that was written for Jesse. Right, Next Jesse, week's this... episode was recorded before this week's episode. Yeah. Right. All right, Jesse, this is from Alan Kay. He says, all right, got a question for the podcast for the next local brewer that's on the show. What's the best beer you brew and why is it better than boat beer? <laughs> Jesse? <laughs> Um, every beer I brew. Oh, and... oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you want to talk about some, the topic? I mean, what other answer could I give? What other answer could I give? I'm went oh, to the top Jesse. of the arena. Uh, that was a power bomb. An 8% porter. <laughs> Fucking makes everybody ready. Jesse, don't make me put you in your place with a fresh can of boat. <laughs> Um, I'll tell you this, Jesse. Jesse's, you should be Jesse's very proud coming of in with the, the only thing I would say. The only thing I after with a knife between his teeth. Aim, yeah, yeah. He, yeah he's like one of those pirates between Augie's eyes. <laughs> I'm super, yes, I'm super proud of boat, and I never get to drink enough boat. I wish there was more boat in my life. There's no boat ever that I get. Um, well, that's what you get from moving. The only city. thing I would say is that what I, what in terms of Interborough, where I took the concepts behind boat what i took out of the, the process of making boat and drinking boat and 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 was the sort of premiere and lifted and the six percent ipas because um they're not eight percent so they don't completely <laughs> knock you on your fucking ass but uh they have a yes, little bit do. a little bit more body you know and a little bit more a little bit rounder and uh and you're able to pack uh all that hot flavor in and anyway you know six percent's the new session so you know. <laughs> completely disagree zero percent is the new session hey, um, really quick just before we get in our time machine and you guys will all understand this next week uh this particular can of baltic porter that we're drinking five dollars 49 cents oh yeah all right of so value. next week next week this will make sense but and if you buy it and if you buy it, you never need to buy Rouge again because I am fucking apple cheeked right now. Yeah. No, this is what you need to do is you need to buy a, a four pack of something else to make up with your friends yeah. after you've insulted them and a recipe that was uh, dearly beloved between you beforehand. Um, I, feel, I feel like how Jesse just described everything. 
I, I feel like the honeymoon is over from your marriage. And I'm here's I'm what so I'll, here's what I'll say to, to Jesse. Here's what I'll say to Jesse. Jesse, be proud of. Wednesday night, I was in town, fucking at it, Jesse. Like proper at it. Yeah. Proper with at Doniger, it with, with Doniger. With Doniger no and Strumpke. Horrible oh, people. Yeah. It was Doniger and Strumpke, and we're at Doniger's new brewery. We're having a good time, and everything is great. And we're drinking their beers with Kieran, and just fucking at it. And I brought six mixed four packs, right? So each each one had three of our beers and a boat. And I tasted every bit on everything: a lime lager, a triple that I did with Strumpke, fucking proper hazy. All the beers and each one, everyone's like, Oh, it's a great beer. I love that. That's the best one. That's the best one. That's the best one. And it was nice. And everyone's complimentary. As I, they I need them to come on the beers, to confirm this. And the beers yeah. were seriously great. But, and the best part is, I did my new trick of when I gave them the first one, I was like, It's too bitter. You won't like it. Then we started drinking. And at the end of the night, the only can of all the beers that was empty in every single one of the four six pack, six four packs, boat. Everyone's like, Why are we out of boat? I was like, Yeah, fuck all you guys. It's the best beer in the world. So that's you're still right, Jesse. It's still the best beer in the world. Kennedy, can you just confirm the story before this episode goes out? I was not there. I was not there. No, I, I'm asking you to like make the call. Uh, yeah, I can do that. Sure. Thank sure. you. Yeah, it's all true. It's all true. Yeah. Well, I was uh, in anyway. life on Monday. Hey, they Cass, were, we were talking job. about it. <laughs> There's, so what were they saying? Actually, you know what? Maybe it was uh, you guys got there after I was there. What, what yeah. day was that? This we week? were there Wednesday night. Oh, so then, yeah, no, we were there on Cinco de Mayo. Patrick said something while we were canning of just like, hey, you want to hang out with Augie? (laughs) Everybody and everybody ran away. I don't know what happened. That's right. That's that's just that's just smart. You want to run away when I'm coming into town with no fucking ride home. Um, (laughs) But yeah, the. uh, But yeah, and and so to finish the story, the boat, the boat. No, no, we haven't read the letter yet. Read, Read the actual letter for this show. Okay, so Bill Malloy says... Hi, Bill. Hi, Bill. We know Bill, right? Yeah, we know Bill very well. We like Bill. He says, with restrictions lifting and shots available, when when do you think that you'll feel comfortable, if you ever do, uh, with all all of you being together uh, for a team still this year recording? Is planning underway? Will the Patreon postage budget soon be cut off? I hope you consider a roundtable type program, brewers, publicans, drinkers, et cetera, uh, to return to imbibing in public. Lilith Fairway. You mean like we, used to? Yeah. like we used to? Yeah. Soon. Ish. Oh, soon. Um, but here, here's the thing shots. I'll say. Go and, do a cool thing. But wait, here's the thing, here's the thing I'll say to that, um, Thieves, and I want your feedback on this. As much as I do miss our old shows in person and want to actually take it on the road now that I don't have to work every day at New York. I'd like to go places like Portland and just visit four breweries, but I do miss our in-person black glass, you know, guest brings this, the beer format and never want to leave it behind. But there is the truth that these call-in shows have gotten us amazing fucking people to talk to. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, like I think, I think we need to figure out a proper mix of both because mm-hmm. the, okay. the this show we right here does this, this show right here doesn't meeting, exist right? do you I'll yeah invite so me like sometime. when you show up like we can yeah john john it's never gonna happen but um but you know what i mean like shows like this this perfect show where we're like fuck tommy died let's get some people on the phone and talk this does we never would have gotten all six of us into one bar on the same night yeah without planning it three months in advance so i do see a lot of merit to keeping this aspect of the show going so thieves Give us feedback on whatever social medias and cast. If they want to do that, what social medias do they do that shit on? Steal this beer everywhere. Instagram, <laughs> Facebook. I, I think shit gets pushed to Twitter, but who cares? Uh, Twitter. <laughs> yeah. No, fuck TikTok. We don't do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> write us but letters, though. Doing- Thank we, we We got we got a few letters. Are we on Bumble? So. I, I don't know whose profile face we'd use there. I think it's got to be you, Mustache Boy. Can, yeah, can, can, yeah. can of boat. I'm it's engaged. A can man. of boat. It's a yeah, can but still, of boat. Yeah, so mustache would definitely bring him in. It's yeah. a black that mustache glass, brings all the, Yeah. Well, obvious, if you man. if you would like to write us letters about you know what beers are better than boats, steal this beer podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. See what we're drinking on Untapped, and thanks to all the Patreons as well. You know those dollars go to those uh, you know seven seven dollar a can of beers that everybody's drinking. Seven and a half dollar. 
seven and a half dollars. That's again next week. Pay attention next week, everybody, because we're recording next week's episode before this week's episode. We're 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 already living in the past and the future. And embrace uh, your present. Yeah, gentlemen. yeah. Go on, go on. Sorry, go. Cass. I was just gonna say, you know, rest in power, Tommy Keegan. You know, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I'm glad to see that the legacy will live on, and we can keep drinking Mother's Milk and Hurricane Kitty. Yeah. God. Gentlemen, thanks for coming out. Thanks for yeah, thanks, Jeff, and, and praising all of you, Paul, everybody. Thank you, thanks, um, guys. And uh, love to everybody, and, and be nice to your your favorite local guy, man. It matters. And uh, we'll see you soon. Get out of here. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.